Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Wednesday. It is February 21st. I got a little bit of housekeeping, uh, housekeeping stuff up front. Number one, if you went looking for yesterday's show during the day and you couldn't find it, I apologize. I didn't watch to see that Rumble somehow deleted the show. Yeah, so uh, there's two versions right now of episode 247, and one of them is just a two-minute intro that just says that the show is coming. I don't know where it went. I, I saw it load. I saw it go into the replay mode so that it was available to anybody. And then uh, I started getting comments last night as I was going to bed saying that the, the show was gone. And sure enough, they were correct. So I restreamed it last night. So it's underneath replay. And if you're looking for that, you can find it that way. Um, and I appreciate your patience. And I also like, by all means, you guys can let me know. You may not know this, but you can actually directly contact me through the show at kyleserafin.com. Again, it's just my name. You'll find that I'm pretty easy that way. I'm at Kyle Serafin on all the social media platforms, and I have open DMs, even though I don't respond to everybody. I do have open DMs on uh, Twitter X, and uh, and then I'm also at Kyle Serafin on Truth, and I'm at kyleserafin.com. You guys can send me messages there. I get the wildest stuff. Some of it is amazing. Some of it is just really loving fawning praise which is far too gracious for me and uh and it makes me blush and i share it with my buddies uh, the, the suspendables chat that we have in the background and they all go like man that's really intense and then some of it is fully crazy where it's like some random Rothschild child person is trying to kill me and if you're listening to me right now you know who i'm talking about uh and chris ray is behind it and there's a illegal implant in my head man there's an awful lot of mental illness in this country and, and honestly the internet is one of the worst things for mental illness. It makes me sad that it's out there. But all right, before we get too deep into that, if you guys are watching us anywhere else, if you're watching us on X, if you're watching us on YouTube, which recently blocked our episode from Monday for a 20-second piece of video, join us on Rumble. Come to rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. You're seeing it there on the screen. I need to make that less transparent, don't I? Um, come to rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin and join the live chat, which I continue to see all of you guys up first thing in the morning and talking, and everybody always comments. All the new chatters always say this is the best chat on Rumble. So for whatever it's worth, you guys, the pitch has been made, and if you want to support the channel, you can go to follow on the chat button. Underneath it, it says follow. If you click it, it'll give you a red that shows you that you can, in fact, subscribe to it. And if you want to do that, actually, let me show it. I can actually throw that on the screen right here. Check this out. There we go. This is what it looks like if you were to go and hit the subscribe button. It just gives you the option. It shows you that you're going to get some badges. You get a red name highlight, which I just did with my friends over at AMRAD, and you guys can subscribe. It's five bucks a month. It comes directly to us. So if you guys want to support the channel, you can do so right there. Okay, we'll take that down. And uh, let's say thanks to a sponsor who keeps this thing going. We just uh, brought them on this month, our newest sponsor, contingencymedical.com. In fact, my buddy Sean Witzman reached out to me yesterday. He's like, hey, what's that medical company that you deal with? Because um, I'm going to order up some antibiotics and be prepared. Great decision. Great decision by my buddy, Sean. And he was like, of course. And by the way, give me your promo code. And I'm like, it's always the same. It's Kyle. K-Y-L-E is the promo code. Contingencymedical.com is where you go. Check it out. And what do you get? You get a telehealth visit with a physician in your state that's going to evaluate your medical history. It's super easy. It probably took me five minutes five minutes tops. You type in your medical history, anything that's significant that the doctor needs to know about, your medical allergies and so on. If you're like me, it's N, uh, NKDA, 
no known drug allergies if you're in the business. And then they will send you one of these guys. The cost is roughly $300. There's a little bit of a discount with my promo code. And yeah, you've got multiple courses of antibiotics. The thing that I like most, because they are a contingency-based company, is they give you the primary thing that you might use for an animal bite or cellulitis or a urinary tract infection. Then they give you a secondary option of what it is. And you've got multiple courses of each type of antibiotics with the exception of azithromycin, which is kind of like a Z-Pack. Um, if you guys are familiar with the Z-Pack, that's seven days of azithromycin. They give you a six-day supply of azithromycin in the contingency pack. Um, they're not expensive, but what you're getting is you're getting medical support, you're getting telehealth, and you are taking your medical control back into your own hands, which I absolutely love because we are being lied to constantly whether it be by the pharmaceutical companies, whether it be by the healthcare industry, whether it be by the news media or by our government propaganda. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Today's topics, which I've been cramming in since about 6 a.m. this morning, we're talking about repetition, propaganda, and the American boogeyman, which is Russia. Now, I want you to do a little experiment. Uh, those of you in the chat, those of you who are listening to this after the fact, you guys can do it in your head. I want you to think about the famous television show, The Brady Bunch. Okay? The Brady Bunch. You got it in your head. You can picture it. This is the story of a man and lady, right? Okay. Think of the first character that comes to your mind and type it in the chat if you're sitting in there right now. I'm going to come back to it. But the first character that you can think of when you think of The Brady Bunch, who is it? Let's just see what we've got. I'm just curious. It's a little uh, N equals just a few experiment that we're going to play. And uh, and while we do that, let's go ahead and talk about something that is quite serious. Quite serious. Yeah, I'm starting to see it. You guys are starting to come in with the Marsha. That's why. And you'll know why in a second here. Um, this is a serious story. It's a sad story and it's an awful story. It is far too prominent. Um, I, I used to do a show called Roll Call, which many of you guys may know. I was doing it with my friend uh, Alpha Luna. And uh, it's now being done by Sal Greco, which is awesome. Those are two really good people. They're both cops. That makes the most sense for me, a cop show about cops. But we would always read from the Officer Down Memorial page. You can go to um, Officer Down, O-D-M-P, Officer Down Memorial page, odmp.org, okay? And in doing so, you will be able to see the most recent police officer, first responder, who was killed in the line of duty. And sometimes it's traffic accidents and sometimes it's a medical emergency and oftentimes it's adversarial action being shot, run over, killed, whatever, by some criminal subject. Most of you, by the way, are saying Marsha. And a couple of you saying Jan, which, yeah, because they were both of those were pretty clear. Uh, ODMP is a good site. I used to visit it every single day when I was at the FBI Academy. And they update sort of the sacrifice that our law enforcement officers have to make. And this is all going to actually stream together with the Russia boogeyman thing you guys will see in a second. We're being fed this narrative. Uh, this is an incredibly sad story. And I wanted to just pay homage to these, these gentlemen who gave their lives trying to protect what turned out to be a young girl and a mother who made a phone call, a 911 call. And they did what you hope would happen when you call 911 as someone is in the middle of a sexual assault of your child and you're a female and you're smaller. So this is uh, coming out of KARE 11 local news. Uh, gunman identified in the shooting of Burnsville first responders. And it says that he was prohibited from possessing guns. In 2020, Shannon Gooden, this is the guy who actually is now dead, who instigated this and killed three first responders, all three young men, who I'm gonna tell you are legitimate heroes. They are the people that answered the call for their community and 
as we are reminded, anyone who's willing to lay down their life for their friend and their neighbor, that's the highest form of love and service. I think we can all pretty much agree on that. I'm going to read the story because I wanted to get into it. Then we're going to get into the spin on it, which is not nothing. And then uh, we'll press on. Multiple law enforcement sources and the next door neighbors on Monday revealed the identity of the man who killed two police officers and an EMT. My understanding is that he wasn't just an EMT. He was a paramedic, which makes a big difference to those of us that are in the field. Uh, A paramedic who was also SWAT qualified so that he could serve alongside SWAT teams. He volunteered for a much more hazardous duty to be able to be on the armed responses. For those of you that are not familiar, and this is worth just a little breakaway, most Um, EMS services will not go into a hot zone or even a warm zone where there is still active violence. In fact, that's part of the basic training that you get when you go through as a paramedic or as you go through as an EMT. You learn the first priority is scene safety. That means safety for you and your team, and you won't go in there if it'll expose you and your team to harm or violence. That's not terrible, by the way. Uh, It's not a terrible bit of training. It actually is good. It's self-preservation, and you want to make sure the people who are capable of dealing with violence are there. But very few, um, they're starting to get this this thing that's called Rescue Task Force. It's been moving along for about the last five to eight years or so, maybe a little longer. I can be corrected on that. But there's a concept that you would actually embed non-tactical medics who understand how tactics work. And they get into the the stack, the column of officers that are going to go in with guns and shields and whatever else and address violence so that they can be the first people and they can cut the time of response to the victims that are on the ground potentially. Now, a lot of this comes out of stuff like what we saw, the Pulse nightclub shooting. There were 49 people that died that day. And one of the things that I learned as I did the after action with trauma surgeons who debriefed and went through the uh, the postmortems of all the people that died, a lot of those people, like seven of the 49, that's a very high percentage of people, could have been saved simply by moving them off the wall. And I've covered this on a show a long time ago, but we have a, lot, a much bigger audience now. It's worth talking about. Those individuals literally shrunk down in fear, and they did, as we talked about uh, the other day, there's fight, flight, and freeze. They did what is called the freeze instinct. This is still an overreaction. It's an amygdala hijack. Just remember that in your head, where your body gets taken over by the limbic system, and the sympathetic nervous response is failure. It just goes into what we would call the black where you are no longer able to process any threats or any decision-making, and so you just freeze. And these people froze in a place that actually obstructed their own airway. Then they passed out from the shock and the trauma of what had happened to them. But they didn't die from bleeding out. They actually died from positional asphyxiation, which is to say they actually suffocated themselves by keeping their head low and their body small, trying to avoid gunfire. And by going in with medics, with a, a SWAT team that is doing an immediate response, you could literally pull these people off the wall. You could pull them off the wall, put them in the recovery position, and that alone would have saved their lives. Seven lives of the 49 with no medical intervention, just physical movement. It's worth knowing that that's real. And so kudos to this department in uh, Minnesota, which is called Burnsville. And a a little kind of personal note, one of my buddies is a, uh, he's a trainer. He's been on the show. His name is Peter Johnson, and we'll have him on again soon. Uh, Peter Johnson actually used to work for this agency, he reached out to me right away, and they knew within a few minutes uh, that that this everything about the shooter that you are now hearing reported days later, which is a shame. Um, it was actually reported immediately to folks who knew, and they had the opportunity to do it. Okay, so the medical examiner has confirmed the identity of Gooden. That's the guy who died. He got, died to a gunshot to the head. He killed himself. It was a suicide. Like so many of these people, the reason why you rush into an active shooter scenario is because when confronted by armed men, and it is primarily men, that's all I'm going to say, like, yes, there are some women in law enforcement, of course, but overwhelmingly SWAT teams and responses to this are men. And when they rush in, 
the first thing that happens is subjects do one of two things. They're either killed in a standing gunfight by superior capabilities and training, or they kill themselves, which is most likely, and that's what the folks who are cowards will always do. Now, the interesting piece about the story is that the 38-year-old was prohibited from professing a firearm. He had a second-degree felony in 2008, which was an assault with a deadly weapon, which he was convicted. These are the kind of people, there are very few people that I don't think should have gun rights in this country, but if you choose to abuse that tool in a crime of violence, it's one of the few that I actually support the removal of that particular right. Okay, if you're a white collar criminal, I think you should have your gun rights restored. In 2019, uh, 11 years after that conviction, he went and petitioned the court to restore his firearm rights. He said, I would like to be able to protect not only myself, but my family as well. I completed an anger management course as well as a parenting course. Now, the story that I've heard, and I've not been able to substantiate this anywhere else, that this man was actually involved in an active physical sexual assault against a 14-year-old girl who was not his own. Uh, it was the, the daughter of the woman that he was living with or married to, hard to say. And so was actually attacking a child. And that's what the 911 call uh, resulted in. We've got a little bit of video clips of the local news trying to make sense of something that many of you will easily be able to understand. I'm going to play this for you real quick because I want you to understand this is always the pivot. It's like, oh, our gun laws didn't work. Maybe we need more laws. Listen to this local news coverage real quick. In the aftermath of the shooting, one of the biggest questions for investigators is, how did the gunman get all those weapons used to kill the three first responders? Care 11's Lou Raguse joins us with the latest on the investigation. Lou? Shannon Gooden was banned from having guns because of an assault conviction, and a judge denied his appeal to have his firearm rights restored. So the question remains, who helped him stock his arsenal used on first responders early Sunday morning? I will say there were multiple firearms recovered from inside of the residence. The Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension is investigating how 38-year-old Shannon Gooden was able to obtain multiple guns, rifles and handguns, as well as a lot of ammunition, to use to kill two Burnsville police officers and a paramedic. Gooden, seen here on a Facebook video shooting an air rifle, was barred from possessing firearms after a 2007 felony assault conviction. After finishing probation, the charge was lowered to a misdemeanor, but the judge still specified he could not possess guns. In 2020, Gooden appealed to have his gun rights restored and included character references from three friends, including his girlfriend and mother of two of his kids, whose sources tell CARE 11 News was the one who called 911 early Sunday morning to report child abuse. In her letter, she wrote, family is everything to him, and that's why these rights are so meaningful to him. The judge denied the appeal. It was very scary being with him. Gooden's ex-girlfriend and mother of three of his children, Noemi Torres, says she had no idea Gooden had those weapons. I found out about the guns yesterday. Court documents say Gooden was trying to force Torres to pay him more child support for their three kids, despite the fact he made well over $100,000 as an auto painter. In a hearing today, the judge dismissed the case because of Gooden's death, giving Torres full custody. And I've been in contact with the woman who called 911. She had two kids with Gooden. She's not ready to talk yet, but she said she and her kids are safe with family members right now. All right, so there you go. So what are we hearing? A couple things. Number one, they have no idea how the gun laws failed to keep somebody from buying guns. It's almost as if somebody that's willing to do something violent with a firearm and someone that's willing to break laws is also willing to break other laws, it turns out that it makes perfect sense that these things are not the problem. Now, one of the issues is, and this is something that I found almost immediately when I went online, the responses to this particular situation is this. I think this is also a problem. 
Now, there's a lot of things that are being repeated. Many of you know the name Marsha as the first and the most top of mind aware Brady Bunch character because that is one of the famous repetitive phrases that comes from that show. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. It's repeated three times. There are memes, there are uh, GIFs. You can find it online. It is all over the place. If you type, in fact, some drag queen actually decided to uh, name himself Marsha, Marsha, Marsha simply because of the name recognition that that pattern has. Now, what you're seeing on the screen right now is something I pulled off Twitter. It's a, it's a source uh, that is drabbed. I actually validated some of this stuff. The, the population densities are correct, and I think the homicide numbers are as well. Um, they've, they've amalgamated some of them because they don't break it out in the Uniform Crime Report in this way. But this is from the 2022 Minnesota Uniform Crime Report. These are the things that get reported to the FBI. And what you're seeing are homicides in 2022 for the entire state, and they break it down by population. This is a correlation, by the way. This is not causation, but it is often misconstrued to act like this is a cause. And what you're seeing on the top line are 72% of the homicides and the population versus population set of blacks is three point six point four rather. I actually did the 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 poll for the most recent version of it, and it's like six point six. So it's that's that's actually correct. Uh, black citizens of or black citizens and 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 counted people in the population in Minnesota constitute a little bit less than seven percent. And then the rest of it, obviously, is about 93%. Um, the number of total homicides, they're talking about the offenders, known offenders, 72% are black, 28% are white, Hispanic, Asian, Native American, everything else that you list race-wise. But the real problem here that I have with that statistic is that we're actually just taking two semi-related things like, oh, like our gun laws didn't work. Let's have more gun laws. It's equally weak thinking to say that 6.6% of the population or 6.4% of the population is, is responsible for three quarters of the murders. That may be true, but it's a very, very small fraction of that 6.6%. But we are constantly being told two things. Number, there's two things that are being told, one side or the other. On the conservative side, I hear this all the time. It's like a very, very small fraction of the population is responsible for the bulk of violent crimes and murders. What they leave out in context, which is incredibly important, is it's an incredibly small subset of that 6.6%. And the number one victim of those people are people who look like them. It is not a black-on-white genocide that is happening. There are not black people stalking down and killing white people. But then the other side of the coin is that you also hear a lot of this academic nonsense where you actually encourage that sort of violence. So people are hearing things that they want to hear. It's important, but it's a propaganda message. I've got a couple of little videos here that I want to play from you. They're atrocious. Um, they represent a fringe minority, but they have the loudest voices because they sound really good and they do something that triggers a fear instinct in your brain to think illogically. If you were to logically think about it, there are a couple of competing facts. Like I said, the number one thing is, is that you are most likely to experience some sort of physical violence from people that you already know, that you already live around, and the odds are, as Steve and I talked about, Steve Friend and I talked about the other day, they probably look like you. They think like you. They sound like you. They probably vote like you because they live where you live because that's who has proximity to you. The number of sharks, lone wolf predators that are going to sneak into a community and commit a random act of violence against someone that is not like you is very, very small. However, we have this media kind of march of this kind of, and I'm gonna call it propaganda, because even though these people are horrific, they're incredibly rare. And they also are generally speaking impotent when it comes to actually doing this. But listen to this clip. This is from a C-SPAN book review in 2005. I'll give you a little context on this guy in just one second. And the one idea is how 
we are going to exterminate white people because that, in my estimation, is the only conclusion I have come to. We have to exterminate white people off of the face of the planet to solve this problem. Now, I don't care whether you clap or not, but I'm saying to you that we need to solve this problem because they are going to kill us. And I will leave on that. So we have to just set up our own system and stop playing and get very serious and not be diverted. All right. So that guy, Cambone, he actually died in December of this year, of last year, rather. So recently deceased, he died and um, he wanted people to attend his funeral. Apparently his family did. And you're not allowed to wear white. So that's a racist. That's a person that is racist, that, that has lived a racist life. Uh, the problem is, is that the other side of the coin is that people are willing to highlight crappy and ridiculous voices like this. That person is a fringe. I've never met anyone like that in my entire life, not even close. And the only people that I have met that were in that sort of even close to that category, that were even like, let's say, adjacent to that category, were radicalized by stupid thoughts like this. The other side is that some of you are going to hear this guy uh, and you're going to say, oh, yeah, I've read all these articles, too. Why have you read them? They're fringe academic garbage. And yet they all kind of focused at the same time, right when Donald Trump was coming into office. Most of these are 2016 to 2018. I, I looked these pieces up for you guys, but listen to this little piece that I found. It's kind of like a amalgamation clip on Twitter. Equally garbage, equally bullshit as well. CNN professor asks, when is it okay to kill whites? New York professor says having a white nuclear family promotes white supremacy. Professor tweets that white people should commit mass suicide. College professor says kill cops, kill all white people, and kill the straights. Professor says all I want for Christmas is white genocide. Georgetown professor says all white people are racist. Trinity College professor calls white people inhuman. Let them fucking die. College professor says believing in hard work is a white ideology. College professor says white people are conditioned to commit mass murder. A professor equates math with white privilege. A professor says white supremacist patriarchy is responsible for the Vegas shooting. Professors hold a white racism course at FGCU. USC professor calls for a holocaust against all white people. All right, that's about as much of that as I can tolerate. There's plenty of those headlines. Those are all, like, the number in total is less than 50 total headlines about this. It is incredibly rare to hold that ridiculous belief, and many of them do it. Why? Because they're going to get publicity just like that. And the second thing is, is the more that we we discuss that sort of thing, then people hear it and they think, well, that that must be the way that some people think. I want you to also take whatever you're seeing on social media and in the news and then Ping it against your actual real life experience when you go to, let's say I did yesterday, the YMCA. All right. There are people who look in every way The go to any of your churches, of your schools, of your your workplaces. This is not the way that people actually think it is a fringe, fringe minority. And yet it's been normalized. Why? Because there's this big push to act like it's something that actually does exist. And I'm going to cover down a little bit more on the story that we were just talking about a moment ago because it's worth doing. This is the uh, the AP. What have they done? They said two uh, officers and one first responder killed at the scene. The suspect's dead. They covered down. They never mention race. They never discuss uh, even the names of the heroes who should be people that we are honoring today in this country, that we should see our president going and calling out by name, just like we should see the people in Kansas City called out. But what we see is a concentrated effort of the media to keep things quiet. Why is that, though? We always wonder, are they lying to us? Is it on purpose? I think it is, but I think it's for a different reason than maybe we both assume. And then lastly, because we are going to pay a little bit of tribute to these gentlemen, from left to right on the screen right now, what you see is police officer Paul Emstrand, 
Elmstrand was uh, one of the responding officers. The fire medic, firefighter paramedic in the middle, his name is Adam Finseth. And he, like I said, unarmed, but chose to, to be part of this response, this sort of rescue task force. And then Matthew Rug, I hope that is pronouncing his name. All three of these men are heroes. And they are actually called out in this piece by CNN, of all folks. And so, thankfully, we have that. What they all try to avoid, though, is everybody other than the local news doesn't want to really discuss the fact that we are talking about someone who was a convicted felon that owned firearms, that happened to be black. And so you have this sort of interesting narrative, and I've seen all of it discussed. The fact of the matter is, is that people who are criminals that are willing to hurt people that are near them, including, it sounds like raping his own daughter or attempting to rape his own daughter. That's what the call was about. When that happens, we are dealing with a fringe minority of people who are, as Steve Friend likes to call, system disruptors. That no matter what you do, the system is, is something that they are going to fight against. And the cost is three wonderful, I don't know anything about their personal lives other than the fact that they were willing to give their life in that job. And that is the highest calling that you can have as a man who signs up to be a protector. That's what the badge is supposed to mean when it's not upside down. That you use it like a shield to go in and fight against evil and doing something to your own child and needing a 911 call and having outside responders who've never met you, have never seen you, but they've already agreed that they will forfeit their life should that come up. Most people haven't taken that stand and thought about it. And these guys put this guy down so he was not able, they, they were able to confront him to the point where he was no longer able to go after and have any more victims. The last piece that I will show you is that it always comes down to the same thing for the political left, which is nauseating, and that is this, the answer to something that is horrible and a sacrifice by heroes is that we need more laws. Because when you are a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And when your job is legislation and expanding the state's power base, then everything you do is going to do that. This is a predictable response for most of us who follow this kind of thing. But this is your... Uh, your Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz saying that we need to push the legislature to expand safe storage laws, which is to say that guns must be in, they must be in safes. This man was already prohibited by law from having firearms. None of that's going to change any of it. None of that's going to do anything whatsoever. Luckily, this article also, this is from the local CBS paper, um, actually calls out those three heroes that we talked about, Matthew, Paul, and Adam, for the work that they did. And they also name the individual, not by race, but they name him Shannon Gooden. Uh, there are actually videos of him talking about how he wanted to pretend like he was shooting at white people. That video that you saw in the black and white uh, with him raising the air rifle was in fact him saying some horrific things about how I'm going to pretend like I'm shooting white people. By the way, he's joined by his friend who is a white kid uh, or white young man. Really bizarre, really strange and disordered behavior, but not representative of anybody except himself. He represents himself and one criminal who chose to do something evil. We're going to push on to this because this is all going to actually relate in the end. Uh, I want to say thanks to my friends over at 4Patriots. You guys know how to get there. It's the number four, the word patriots.com slash Kyle, or you can just go to 4Patriots.com and use promo code Kyle at checkout. This is a uh, an interesting time, 2024. There's no question about it that we are going to be facing potential food shortages, that we are going to be facing interruptions to the status quo. And uh, we are obviously already in the middle of this information war. We hope that the information war does not become a kinetic war. But if it does, one of the things that you know is that an army must travel on its stomach. And you, as a one-man army who defends your home, or as a one-woman army who is in charge of a household, you know that if you have calories, you are going to be in better shape to be able to do all the things that you need to do to be able to think, to be able to make good decisions, to be able to reflect on what it is that you are getting and what sort of garbage needs to be thrown out. And in order to do that, you need to have those calories stored. So get yourself in a place of less fear by 
hedging against the uncertainty with emergency food, maybe some emergency power. Go to four, the number four, patriots.com. Again, fourpatriots.com, and the promo code is Kyle. Now, one of the things you'll notice, too, because we do advertising on the show, do we not? We advertise for a couple of our sponsors, the people that support it, is we talk about repetition. That's the other thing. The Marsha, 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 the Russia, 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 all of these things will come back to play in just a little bit. I am going to follow up on that, but I want you to remember repetition is important in marketing. In fact, when I used to uh, sell airtime for a radio station, my marketing manager would come down and he was like, look, you can basically get, and I've done classes on this. Anybody who's ever been in sales knows this. You can basically motivate one type of person to do one action at one place. That's what you're going to be able to get. And that's why whenever you listen to a radio broadcast and they say, call 1-800, call one, the worst ones, or they'll say, call 1-800, uh, you know, just for men. And then they'll have, you know, visit justformen.com or email us at justformen at gmail.com or whatever that is nonsense. Whatever they do, if they give you three messages and they don't repeat the one, you won't remember it. Just like you can remember, oh, it's contingency medical. Oh, it's for Patriots. Oh, the promo code is always Kyle. There's a reason why we do that. Because that's the way our brains are programmed, to remember things that are repeated. And not only that, but there's actually a psychological kind of shortcut to making us believe that those things are true. And we're going to get there, I promise you. Um, I want to talk about the Russia piece. Uh, we've got some some really, let's start off with a little simple piece from uh, from our friend. And by that, I mean that facetiously, Adam Schiff, who is one of the worst and then we're going to get in sort of the deepness. This is a collage, a sort of a montage, if you will, of Adam Schiff being a despicable, dirty liar. But he's saying something over and over again with no facts. No facts whatsoever. <laughs> and it turns out everything he's saying is false. And yet there's a significant portion of the population, which we will show you a little bit too, who believe that what he said is obviously true. Why? He was in a media that uh, a media format that they believe has some authority. There are plenty of these sort of boomer types out there that think if it's on TV, it must be true because there's standards, right? They must be vetted. It turns out that's not true. They can say anything they want as long as it's not inflammatory, like offensive. Um, listen to listen to this guy. In which the Russians offered help, which we know they did. The campaign accepted help, which we know they did. Uh, the Russians then delivered help, which we know they did. There is circumstantial evidence of collusion. The case is more than that, uh, and I can't go into the particulars, but there is more than circumstantial evidence now, so. You've said on more than one occasion that you've seen ample evidence of the Trump campaign's Russia collusion. Last March, you said you had more than circumstantial evidence of treasonous collusion with Russia. I've certainly certainly said that there's ample evidence of collusion. Can you agree that there has been no evidence of collusion coordination or conspiracy that has been presented thus far between the Trump campaign and Russia? Uh, no, I don't agree with that at all. I think there's plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy. But we do know this. The Russians offered help. The campaign accepted help. The Russians gave help. And the president made full use of that help. And that is pretty damning. Um, reviewing the evidence that I have. All right, Russia, help, Russia, help, Russia, help. Did you hear that device that he was using? It's very it's very capable of, of transmitting a simple message. Russia, help, Trump, Russia, help, Trump. He said it over and over again. He kept saying Russia. He kept saying collusion. These are words that are repeated. You guys saw it earlier this week. We talked about the word gratuitous. Well, it's gratuitous. It's gratuitous. It's gratuitous. How do they come up with this idea? Because when you repeat something, forget about repeating the lie. Repeat any information it becomes much harder to dislodge in the human brain. What I'm showing you on the screen right now is um, an article that comes out of USA Today, which is kind of like one of these like milk toasty, kind of garbagey left-wing, 
you know, they used to be a newspaper. They used to be, uh, they would bump up their subscription numbers or their, their distribution numbers by giving them out free to everybody that went to a hotel. Some of you remember that. I actually have this like very, uh, this very clear memory of seeing a USA Today on the ground of the floor of a hotel that my family and I had gone to like in the 90s. And it said, the mob is dead. It was a big headline. Okay. And the mob is dead is something that stayed in my head. Well, of course there's a mob. There's still a mob. It's just interesting. I just remember seeing that. And it was like USA Today was that sort of, they, they sound authoritative. They, they have the words USA. It's happening right now. In any case, what you're seeing is President Biden's going to hit Russia with major sanctions in response to the death of Navalny. We talked about Navalny the other day. Um, he's claimed Putin is responsible. Is he though? Is that is there any evidence? Or are we just going to say it? Because you're actually going to hear it um, from Mika Brzezinski later on. Same story. Putin is responsible. I mean, maybe he is, but she doesn't know that. She's not able to confirm it. And I'm fairly confident that Joe Biden can't either. Something that happened in a Russian prison north of the Arctic Circle is probably not something that the U.S. president is able to confirm in short notice without like an awful lot, unless they know for a fact that he didn't do it and something else happened there. That's also a possibility. What you're seeing on the screen, though, um, warnings and insurance and UK.gov or gov.uk, rather. Foreign travel advice for Russia. The, uh, the, the ministry for whatever it is, the, the version of the State Department that the, the UK has, says they advise against all travel to Russia. They've got warnings and insurance. They've got entry requirements, self-safety, and so on and so forth. The best for me is that it says advise against all travel. And they just highlighted all of Russia in red. It's the, it's the no-go zone. It's the danger zone. By the way, Ukraine is not listed in that warning. <laughs> for whatever it's worth, if you're looking at the map on here, you're seeing that the, uh, the UK's foreign... Um, whatever foreign office is allowing saying no problem for people to be able to travel to Ukraine or Poland or Belarus or any of this or Finland, but anywhere, anywhere, literally anywhere, even the parts that border China or Mongolia or Kazakhstan or anything else, any of those parts are no go zones if it's in Russia. And one of the latest updates that they have most recently updated on 15 February, 2024, uh, but the most recent update in tiny print up here on the screen that you're seeing is information on legislative restrictions, which restrict or target the LGBT the LGBT plus community in Russia under their safety and security page. So that's that's the, the real dangerous thing. If you want to visit Russia and you are a member of this diverse coalition of lesbians, bisexuals, gays, or transgender people, uh, or the plus, whatever that is, then uh, you must be concerned. And so I don't know what fraction of the population is concerned about this sort of thing, or if they just don't want to go there because of Russian policies. Very, very interesting to me that that's the scare tactic that they've got out there. Let's throw some other ones on the screen because there's a bunch. These come from uh, U.S. News and World Report, also very authoritative and sounding. Uh, another is an Israeli paper, and they have the same story. You guys heard this earlier. The explainer. Nukes in space. Nukes in space. What have Russia and the United States said about nukes in space? And their source is Reuters, which is also lefty. Okay, and what do they say about nukes in space? They basically are going to go on to talk about there are unidentified sources, meaning nobody in the U.S. saying that Russia has developed space-based anti-satellite nuclear weapons. Didn't we talk about this under Reagan? Wasn't that like a discussion about Reagan space-based weapons? Eh, Star Wars. But Vladimir Putin said he opposes nuclear weapons in space and Moscow has flatly denied the U.S. assertions. That being said, we can't trust the dirty Russians, right? That's the way that this works. When you have a boogeyman, you can say anything you want about them. And the worst thing is always assumed to be true. Now they ask these questions, which is always good journalism. Who said what, when, and what would such a weapon mean? And what does the U.S. say about it? Because obviously the U.S. is the authority. We're the good guys, remember? 
We have to be. The U.S., now, now the entire United States apparently believes this, based on this statement. The U.S. believes Russia is developing, I mean, no, apparently unnamed sources that we don't even have the ability to, to determine who they are, is developing space-based anti-satellite nuclear weapon technology whose detonations could disrupt everything from military comms to phone-based ride services. Oh, shoot, your Uber would be interrupted by these Russian nukes in space. I mean, this is all fear porn. It doesn't mean that the capabilities don't exist. It means that why are we writing about them now? This goes back to like that 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 movie Goldeneye, which was from when like when I was a kid. They made a video game out of it. This goes back into probably in the little, like mid and late '80s, as far as like sort of the uh, the scare tactics of this concept. So why today? Because Russia's our boogeyman, and we got to give all these different reasons why they're ever so scary. There's no question in my mind that's the push. Here's another one. This one is coming from PBS, government funded, PBS NewsHour. And what do they say? They're saying that, in fact, the United States not giving money to Ukraine, the fact that there are Americans who believe that America should handle America's problems first, the America first crowd is actually showing a softening stance on Russia. And everybody knows if you're aligned with Russia, then you're very, very, very bad. You're a bad person because Russia, Russia, Russia. Right. Repeat it. And then you've got literally a quote in there. Coming from Ron Johnson saying, I don't like this reality. Vladimir Putin is an evil war criminal, but Vladimir Putin uh, will not lose this war. And so that softened stance saying the reality, which is that Russia has far superior capabilities than Ukraine if there are not foreign boots on the ground. If we don't put soldiers there, which I'm obviously seems to be the push that is going on, um, this is a softened stance on Russia. And that's happened ever since. Who is it? Oh, yeah, Donald Trump. So I got a little video here. This is because Kamala Harris recently visited Russia. I'm sorry, visited Germany. And this is a woman wearing a hijab telling us that, uh, you know, the Europeans are really, really concerned about Donald Trump. And you know that the Europeans are a good standard, too. I mean, if the Europeans say it, then we should probably believe it. Because why? Because the United States funds their their uh, their military support and and funds most of NATO. I don't know. But this lady apparently thinks that we should listen to her because the Europeans are concerned. And that's why Donald Trump is ever so bad. He's scaring our allies, which we you know depend on for having allies, apparently. <laughs> anyway, here's a little quick video. That's why there certainly will be uh, a lot of eyes on her in Munich, both, I think, in terms of the, the international platform, big foreign policy speech she'll be giving, but also in terms of private meetings. What I will say is, you know, I've traveled with her on a number of other trips, and she is generally well-received uh, in international venues. You know, one thing I will say is that I hear a lot. Uh, I know Republicans are trying to focus on the president's age. Donald Trump is no uh, spring chicken himself, just a few years younger than, than President Biden. But the number one thing I've heard from folks is that Europe is very, very rattled by the comments that that Trump made. And so to them, the question of age, no doubt important, but the question of having a reliable partner who is not going to say, yes, let Russia potentially attack an ally is paramount to them. They just don't know that they have a trustworthy friend in the United States. And, you know, as, as a former German ambassador told me, they are very, very worried and watching closely what happens here in American politics in November. They are so worried. And so therefore we should do what the, the, what the Europeans think what the German ambassador thinks is that's how we should do. That's how we should vote. I guess if that is an authoritative source to you, then maybe that means something to you. The idea of being part of the community of nations or being an international, um, you know, citizen, if that's important, if that's more important to you than being an American, then sure, then you should do that. Um, the Dan Goldman, who is decidedly hateable and has one of the more punchable faces in Congress, um, who personally 
I have a, a vendetta against simply because he was a piece of garbage to my friends when they testified. Uh, he's a moron, but he's drawing this very straight, simple parallel. If you are a, if you are a Republican, then you're doing the work of Russia because you're so stupid. You would obviously be investigating our, our rightful president who is uh, beyond any questions who can't be discussed because he obviously did nothing wrong. There's no evidence of him doing anything wrong. Just imagine that nonsense if you believe it. And uh, here we go. As you ready, Dan Goldman. Not only is there no evidence of any wrongdoing by President Biden, but it now appears as if the House Republican majority is being used by Russia to interfere in the 2024 election on behalf of Donald Trump. If they continue with this investigation, they are simply doing the work of Vladimir Putin to help Donald Trump win an election in November. That's where we are. Not only. That's where we are. We are at a place where Dan Goldman is saying that if you support uh, Donald Trump, then you are supporting Russia and Russia is very, very bad. And everyone knows that you have to understand that Russia is bad. And as long as you do, then you will know that you are bad and you are pro-Russia and pro-Putin if you like Donald Trump. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Here's Joe Biden doing it. Time and again, Republicans show they're a party of chaos and disunion. This is not your father's Republican Party. They shout about a problem but then do nothing to solve the problem. The bottom line is Republicans have to decide. Who do they serve? This, I'm not, this is not hyperbole. Who do they serve? Donald Trump or the American people? And there it is. And one of you in the chat, Bizarro, just called it out. Spot on. What about China? Yeah. What about China, the country that is legitimately our biggest geopolitical foe? What about the actual country that is infiltrating with hundreds of thousands of students on student visas that are involved in all kinds of things called technology transfer, which is to say stealing our stuff and reverse engineering it, um, copyright infringement, IP, intellectual property infringement, um, capable of of doing absolute, you know, like catastrophic damage to our infrastructure? because they've been out there scouting it out and finding our weaknesses. Do you know how weird it would be? Imagine this. Imagine a delegation of Russian scientists and politicians came and they wanted to go and run around in your community and they wanted to go see your water treatment plant and they wanted to see the electrical power grid and they wanted to see your garbage and your waste disposal. They wanted to see your telecom. They wanted to take a visit and see the, um, the public safety buildings that show where your 911 dispatch is and how you guys actually handle your law enforcement uh, communications. Do you think that that would get favorably looked upon? Would people go, oh, well, like, they're a bunch of Russians. They just want to come and see our stuff. Like, yeah, of course. Glasnost, perestroika, openness. Let's show them all that stuff. Do you think that would happen? Every one of those things that I just described happens not just in the United States at large, which it does. It happens right outside the nation's capital in the counties that feed and, and house the majority of the federal government's workforce. The Chinese have done that. They have sent in delegations that go and do observations, open source recording, and looking into every single thing that makes the society all around the Northern Virginia and the, the Maryland, what they call the DMV, the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. They've all done this. No questions asked. 
And when I brought it up to those people, because that was part of my job when I used to work counterintelligence, when I brought it up like, hey, why on earth are you showing our biggest geopolitical foe and a legitimate threatening nation? Why are you showing them all of our stuff, our infrastructure? Why are you giving them access to our, our GIS information, our, our mapping? Why are you showing them how all of our things work? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I was like, do we get any benefit out of it? As a taxpayer, I want to know. As an FBI agent, I'm really curious. But as a taxpayer, are we getting any benefit from sending Chinese delegations? And they're like, well, they've offered to let us come out that way and see their stuff. And have you done it? And have you had embedded members of the U.S. State Department or embedded members of the uh, the CIA or recruits from the CIA to go do that? Have you have you had intelligence assets that have been infiltrated and gone over and looked at Chinese infrastructure too? Oh, you haven't? You've never done that ever? There's no possibility that there's going to be any benefit to the American taxpayers that live in your county. None. We give it away. But Russia, 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 right? Just imagine you'll absolutely and have no problem allowing just a, a crap load of Chinese scientists and recruited state assets rolling around through your infrastructure. You will not ever see that happening with Russians because we've I we've got this Cold War mentality we talked about the other day. It never really ended. There are a lot of people in power that still look at Russia as our biggest foe, despite the fact that it has radically changed, probably for the better, you know, compared to the Soviet Union. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to live there. They're not my friends, but I'm not scared of them. Not in the same way that I worry about China. Why? Because I can realistically look at the threat and I can see how dangerous that really looks like. It's not good. So all of those things to be say, how about we end up with uh, sort of the best piece of propaganda here? And that's what we're really talking about. We're talking about propaganda repetition. Let's do this one. Donald Trump continues to make the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny about himself. But not about the man who killed him. Not, not about Vladimir Putin. He refuses still to condemn Vladimir Putin. Who poisoned him uh, once and, and it didn't work. Um, and finally he killed him. In a recorded town hall that aired on Fox News last night, Trump was asked about the money he now owes after being found liable for massive fraud in New York State. And he said that was a, quote, form of Navalny. Trump did call the opposition leader, quote, very brave while answering a separate question, but again, failed to condemn Russian President Vladimir Putin, who most believe to be behind Navalny's death. Take they, they actually couched that in a different way as they got into the segment. First, they said he was responsible for the death. Then they said he's the guy that killed him. And then they were like, who most believe. If you want your propaganda just like unvarnished, unpolished and done by the dumbest people, then you go watch Joe Scarborough on MSNBC and you watch Morning Joe. I don't understand how these idiots, someone just said how these idiots on TV. Yeah, I don't know how they're on TV either. I don't know who wants to go hear that garbage. Non-thinking, partisan mouthpieces. These people are 100% throwing out propaganda. They have to. That's their job. Uh, they might even believe it. They seem like they're pretty empty as vessels. They remind me of Derek, the Derek Zoolander movie. If you guys have seen Zoolander, like what we need is a model, a, a vacuous, empty vessel we just pour our thoughts into. That's what the evil, whatever, um, conglomerate of fashion industry people do in that movie. And it's the same It's the same idea. I just, I have to look at, Mika Brzezinski looks like she's never had an original thought in her mind. And every single thought she's ever been given by somebody else seems like the best idea she's ever had. I don't know an intellectual lightweight. She can't even pronounce the, the the name Navalny. There's a Y on the end of it. Navalny? Really? Just made it made it what you wanted it because it sounds better to you or because you don't care or because nobody 
listens to anything. Like I get I get names wrong all the time, but that one's pretty easy. I'm just saying. As far as Russian names go, Navalny, pretty easy. A um, couple little other things here of the propaganda piece. This is also kind of fun for me. Uh, this is something that was pushed out real recently. Did you guys see hear about this? The Russia, you know, this is how you know they're so bad, is that they actually arrested a dual Russian U.S. citizen. They went after a woman who lived in Los Angeles. Can you believe it? Are you outraged? If you have pearls, will you please clutch them for me? All of you? The FSB in the central Ural city of whatever, <laughs> yeah, Kitterinburg, said that it, quote unquote, suppressed the illegal activities of a 33-year-old woman, a resident of Los Angeles with dual citizenship, and they've taken her into custody. Well, that sounds awful. She's an American citizen and a Russian citizen, and the, and the FSB arrested her? Oh, well, they said that the unnamed woman was proactively collecting funds that were subsequently used to purchase tactical medical items, equipment, and means of destruction and ammunition for the Ukrainian armed forces. So wait a minute. So she's a Russian citizen and a U.S. citizen that's actively supporting the Ukrainian war effort, which is fighting against the country that she's a citizen of. You know what would happen if uh, you were in the United States and you were like, I don't know, a dual Iraqi and American citizen or a dual American and Somali citizen, and you were sending your money over to like groups that were actively fighting against U.S. soldiers. Yeah, that's called treason. That's what it's called. We wouldn't do anything about it because we're weak. The Russians have no problem doing that. And I don't blame them. I, I mean, just the, the audacity of deciding that you live in Los Angeles and you're going to fly back to Russia and raise money for Ukraine. That seems like a dumb move. If you're dumb, bad things happen to you. That's pretty universal in this country, in this world even. If you if you do dumb things, then you will experience sort of the, uh, the end of the dumb. And here's the last little piece that I think is quite fun because... Um, yeah, we just can't even get our, our propaganda facts straight. This one is an article that came out of, let me see which one this one was from, because there's a couple of them. Hundreds, uh, which one was this? This is the Russian arrest. That comes from France 24, which is a decent news site. Um, yeah, whatever. It doesn't make a difference. So hundreds of Ukrainian troops. I'm trying to recognize what it, what uh, news source this was. New York Times. That's where it comes from. Hundreds of Ukrainian troops feared captured or missing in chaotic retreat. So the Ukrainians are losing and the Russians have taken all these evil prisoners. But then at the same time, uh, the U.S. Department of Defense has an official coming out and saying on an official website that, uh, hey, this is from DOD News. Um, without U.S. funding, Ukraine's defense will likely collapse. It will be all over because Ukraine can't support itself. Meanwhile, Reuters is reporting that Russia lacks the ammunition production facilities to continue the uh, the Ukraine war. So I don't know what it is. The, the answer is, is we're getting bombarded by garbage saying that Russians can't survive this war. The, you know, Ukrainians are about to win. The United States government is actually telling us in no uncertain terms that without our money, they're going to fall apart. And apparently, if you don't support giving all that money over, then you're pro-Russia. Or you might just be someone like me who cares about America as a number one. And the most important piece of it is, is that universally, like if it's none of our business and it can't support its own effort, even a little bit, the Russians are going to win. That's just the, like the law of numbers. The Russians don't tend to lose conflicts that way. They just throw as much as they need to until it's all over. All right. I've got one kind of like illuminating video that I found. This made me kind of a little bit happy. Uh, this is a video with Sam Harris, who is awful, Bill Maher, who is not genuine, and this woman named Catherine, uh, Mary Catherine Ham. Now, she's a CNN contributor. Uh, she's over at Town Hall as well and is a conservative, but not a Republican per her. I think that resonates with me. We're about the same age as well. She's a pretty intelligent, reasonable voice going on Bill Maher to just blow the minds of uh, libs that can't get it together. So we'll play a little bit of this clip. There's, it's a much longer clip if you guys want to look it up. Sam Harris, Bill Maher, and Mary Catherine Ham. But she's talking about the original sin, which is the lie of Russiagate. And they can't compute. It's worth listening to just to know that even as you try to debunk things in real time, 
it won't work. The original scent from both media and the intelligence agencies and, and, uh, and federal law enforcement is the Russiagate stuff. And the reason that so many in the party, and I'm here as the translator because I'm not one of them, but so many in the party accept so much of Donald Trump's behavior is because the Russia stuff was a lie. No, it wasn't. Well, it wasn't all a lie. It yes, wasn't, it's not uh, all a lie. Is, you guys have it, been written. Are you, you no, going to do steel it, dossier on me? No, no, here? no. That, 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 well, that some of the steel dossier yeah. was true. Okay, you know, this... Like, this, we did Mueller report for three years. Yes, and, and Mueller never time, said he was innocent. And the whole time, I'm like, guys, I don't think he's a Russian plant. And everyone on CNN set is looking he, at me like I'm crazy. And at the end, we get to not much there there. Which no, was there the was case quite throughout. a bit there. There was a lot there. Was there was a lot there. Yeah. There was collusion we never had before. It was unprecedented that a president would do that. He just did it in public because yeah. he's insane. You do. All right, so he's insane, but is he insane or is he evil? Which one is it? Does he not know what's going on? There's a lot more to that clip, and you guys, it's all very good. In fact, I may repost it later on today because it's just a good, it's a good debunking. But the most important thing for me was the resistance to things that are actually true, as they just show the the uh, the the newspaper on there saying Mueller finds no conspiracy. There's no conspiracy. There's no collusion, despite the fact that we heard Adam Schiff say it for years. We heard Dan Goldman say it for years. We're now seeing um, new reporting. Sorry, we're seeing new reporting of old information by public and Schellenberger and so on of stuff that, you know, my friend Tracy Bean has been talking about for literally years about how this is all garbage and how Devin Nunes had debunked it. Cash Patel had debunked it. This was all garbage. But Russia, Russia, Russia is the rights talking point. That's how you know that it's garbage. Whenever you hear Russia, now we're all prone to think it's probably nonsense. And the people on the left are resistant to the actual facts of what is actually true and going on. I want to um, do a thanks to my buddies over at Patriot Coolers. And then I've got a couple of more videos here that will be kind of fun. Here it is, PatriotCoolers.com. We'll repeat the name, PatriotCoolers.com. We don't even need to have a product on the desk today. Promo code is Kyle to save 10%. If you uh, spend 50 bucks or more, which many of you guys do, I actually can see all the uh, the things that are used on the promo code. And most of you decide, you know what? 50 bucks is the right number. Get you the free shipping. Save the whatever couple bucks it is to get it there. They ship fast. They ship from America. And they're a great company based out of Houston, Texas. PatriotCoolers.com. You can follow them on social media. The same name, at PatriotCoolers. And uh, you guys can tag me if you guys pick up any of their stuff. All their products look better in real life than they even do on the website. Usually people do those kind of like hero shots of the product. And then you get it and you're like, meh. It kind of looks okay. All the Patriot Cooler stuff looks better in life. It looks better on your counter or in your car or at the water park when I go take my kids, anywhere you go. Just saying, check out PatriotCoolers.com if you were in the market for a tumbler to keep your beverages hot or cold. If you're in the market for like a canteen or one of these guys, which I still have up here because it's super heavy, uh, keep the 64 ounces of water because while I'm sitting at the desk, I tend to be here for a very long time. Check out PatriotCoolers.com, the promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. Like I said, save yourself 10% and uh, support our good sponsors there. If you get into the market for any of those cooler products and we are moving into the nice weather again where you're going to be outdoors and needing to stay hydrated. So it's all there. Mary Catherine Ham says it, but it's actually there in a very unsexy sort of way of presenting it in a hearing. The hearing came forward because we had a guy whose name was Durham. The Durham report followed the Mueller report and it found in more, I think, unvarnished terms, the reality. It wasn't there. Let's hear it in his own words. Uh, Mr. Durham, did you see evidence of collusion between Russia and the Trump campaign in 2016? No. So the American public that has been uh, pulled this hoax for years, it was just that, a hoax. Is that correct? Our investigation showed that there were a lot of failures in the FBI and how they did this investigation that did not disclose or reveal information 
uh, evidence concerning any conspiracy or collusion between Mr. Trump and Russian authorities. Let's sum it up. Vice President Biden and President Obama knew about it. Hillary fabricated it. The FBI orchestrated it and the media sold it to the public. And it's still out there. The question is, who watches the watchmen? The FBI has become a Praetorian guard here, protecting the nation's capital, but not the people of the United States of America. It is going to be up to us as Republicans, and solely us as Republicans, starting on this Judiciary Committee, to get accountability to the FBI in the United States of America. So there you go. It's pretty straightforward, and I think that that's all debunks the garbage, and yet these people won't hear it, and they're not going to be able to hear it. They refuse to hear it on purpose. I wanted to give you guys a quick update too because uh, it's always nice when somebody responds from Rumble. And uh, I got an email back from Rumble Support, so no need to to bother them today. But this literally just came in a few minutes ago as we went live. It said, hey, Kyle, we checked with our developers and it looks like there was an issue yesterday that affected some of the live streams or VODs. I don't know what that is. Uh, the video is not recoverable by our developers, unfortunately. So if you're looking for yesterday's show, again, you're gonna have to go to the thing that has parenthetically replay because I did restream it again. It's the easiest way to get it back up and that looks like it's working just fine. So uh, anyway, thanks to Rumble for being accountable and for being quick. Look, I pay them like 10 bucks a month to be able to be on their service. You don't have to pay them anything, but I do. And um, yeah, video on demand. There you go. Somebody just said that in the chat. I appreciate that, SR. Yeah, long and short of it is, is that they, uh, they're they responsive. So that's really great. Uh, it's nice to see a company do that. So where does all this leave us? That's the question. Where does it leave us? It leaves us right here. There's a, uh, an, when you go look for repetition, when you look for propaganda and you look for why that happens, there are in fact studies on it. This is not an unstudied field. This is not a field that nobody's ever heard of before. Fact. Some of the, uh, some of the information I found when I was looking through it, some, there's this, this uh, social media comment about, about how this reminds me of Operation Paperclip. <laughs> and, I, and I was looking, I was like, really, does it? And then I looked and I, even, the, even the name Operation Paperclip, which many of you know as the way that the United States brought over Nazis, into this country and they brought a bunch of Nazi scientists and they were supposed to help us, you know, win World War II and fight against the Japanese. But then suddenly the war ends in, in August of 45 and then suddenly and they continued the program. And so they kept these guys over here working. Apparently it wasn't even called Operation Paperclip. It was called Project Overcast. Operation Paperclip was not a name. I don't know where the name comes from, but they said it's a misnomer. They said many, this is actually coming from uh, the, the National Air and Space Museum that we just got the wrong name. And we all know it because it's all been said over and over again. So this is actually coming from... Uh, from the National Library of Medicine, the, the National Center for Biotechnology Information, which is a good sort of thing to have our research into. And these two scientists studied what is called the effects of repetition frequency on the illusory truth effect. Illusory truth. I'm just going to re read from you some of the stuff here. I put the abstract up on because it's worth looking at. Um, repeated information is often perceived as more truthful than new information. Let that sink in for a second. Why do they do this thing? Because if they repeat things that are true, it'll debunk and replace the old false information. And more importantly, if you repeat information that is false, it will be harder to unroot than actual new information that is in fact truthful. Repeated information is often perceived as more truthful than new information. This finding is known as the illusory truth effect. It's typically thought to occur because repetition increases processing fluency. As your brain takes in that information, each time it does it, it's actually assigning a value to it. And because fluency and truth are frequently correlated in the real world, people use processing fluency as a marker for truthfulness. This is a deeply 
interesting concept for those of us that look at propaganda. And, and many of us on the show, we're doing it for a living, right? I do it for a living and you guys are doing it every morning as you listen to it. We're listening for what is true. And what we are trying to debunk is that that illusory truth effect, which is to say the more you hear it, the more likely it is to be true. But that is human nature. It's hardwired into us. That's how gaslighting works. That's how indoctrination works, as many of you are pointing out in the chat at this exact moment. That's what a big lie is. You repeat it and people believe it because they've heard it. Although the illusory truth effect is a robust phenomenon, almost all studies examining it have only used three or fewer repetitions. So that's a limited way of addressing it. So in this experiment, they basically repeated things between nine and 27 times to try to figure out what was going on. And their interest was in the theoretical understanding of the illusory truth effect having on advertising, politics, and the propagation of so-called fake news. Quite interesting. Scrolling down a little bit further, not everything we believe is true. And then here's another good one. According to a recent survey of teachers in Great Britain and the Netherlands, so those are very different looking places, although... Um, you know, they're, they're not physically connected, 48% and 46% respectively. So roughly the same percentage believed falsely that people only use 10% of their brain, which led to a misconception that a little bit of brain damage is not that important. <laughs> How many of you have heard people repeat that? We only use 10% of our brains. If we could just unlock the other 90%, we could move objects with our minds, right? Not true. Obviously all of our brain is being used. We're just not using all of our brain all of the time because the amount of calories it would take to fund that machine would be too much. But our brain doesn't use, that's like saying uh, that you're only using, you're only using like 30% of your car when you're driving. Well, you're not using all the gears, are you? And you're not using all the seats all the time, right? It's just a fundamental, like it's a misframing and, and we're all susceptible to it. In fact, many of you out there have probably heard that for the first time. We're like, oh, like we, we don't use 10% of our brain maybe at any given time. But that doesn't mean we don't only, like th there's there's plenty of, you You even know this. Here's even a funnier thing. Imagine seeing, you've seen um, some of these color-coded um, brain scans where people are actually thinking and they show different parts of the brain lighting up. Do you, do you believe that's because they're only using 10% of it? They, they, like the whole brain will light up at some point in time. It's being used at different times. And what they're trying to do with all of this propaganda which is highly effective, is a concept that's known as a amygdala highlight. Sorry, I got to say it one more time. Amygdala hijack. That's when your emotion takes over and you stop thinking. And this is what we're trying to short circuit with this show and much of the independent media that is going on right now. They are trying to, we're trying to get away, although many people still take advantage of it. That's what a lot of the, uh, the thumbnails that you will click on, it's amygdala porn. You're like, oh, that sounds scary. Uh, oh, that confirms my bias. Or, oh, that's the thing that I feel really passionate about. I'm emotionally committed to whatever they're about to say. It's actually why Dom LaCree has been really successful on Twitter, if you're familiar with this guy. He basically says something that is false, and then he goes out and tries to prove that it's true with varying degrees of accuracy and um, with varying sort of ethics to it. However, it's an incredibly effective technique to hijack the limbic system, to get your body into fight, flight, or fear, to play into the negative emotion and get you to, to essentially not think in a, in a reasonable or a rational way. I found this other little piece here. I think I have a picture of it. Yeah, this is fun. This is coming from Propaganda Critic, which is apparently a, um, it's a news source that is uh, looking into advertising and things like that. It says propagandists, right? Which is the same as advertisers and media that are trying to get uh, an idea across to you. Propagandists use repetition to further discussion when convincing members of the in-group, the specific group that are opposing sides cannot think rationally. Interesting. Why would that be? Why would we want to believe that the other people can't think rationally? Because then we just don't waste our time 
on trying to confront. This is the entire purpose of the First Amendment, by the way. We're supposed to get together and have discussions and try to suss out what is true. Oh, you heard that? That doesn't sound right. Okay, well, this is what I heard. If you match them up together, well, is there any evidence of any of this stuff? Social media is actually one of the best ways to divide us, which is why that Mike Benz interview recently with Tucker Carlson has been so powerful for people. When used as a tool of truth, it's incredibly capable of breaking up narratives that are given by propagandists. When used as a tool of propagandists, it is amazingly capable of siloing us off into dehumanized and foolish echo chambers where we no longer look at the other side as potentially people who can be converted. Isn't that something? Isn't that worth knowing? If you are a white person and you think that black people are really dangerous, like then your human experience won't show that to be the case. And if you're a black person, you think white people are out there to exterminate you, that also won't turn out to be the case. Both of those are false. Both of those help silo people away. Both of those cause racial iniquity and strife. And they were all debunked because some of us lived through the 90s. That's it. Like the 90s are enough to show you that that was nonsensical. And even in the middle of that, they played up enormous race riots that happened in places like Los Angeles. A lot of it based on false narrative. Even here, if you're looking on the screen, what you're now seeing is a, uh, a piece from the Rand Corporation, gotta love Rand, talking about, the, this is going back to 2016, just as uh, Trump was about to come into office, right? He was running against Hillary Clinton at that time. The Russian firehose of falsehood propaganda method, why it might work and how options on how to counter it. And their big thing that they have highlighted in there is that since the incursion into Georgia in 2008, if not before then, there's been a remarkable evolution in Russia's approach to propaganda. How about United States propaganda that Russia is still big, a big, scary enemy? That's a big piece. The Russian boogeyman is, in fact, I think, propaganda. It's not nearly as dangerous as it looks like it is. And we're using it, and the opportunity cost of paying attention to Russia is a failure to address China. The new approach is on full display during the country's 2014 annexation of the Crimean Peninsula, which we heard a little bit about in this Tucker interview about his take on why that was. We haven't heard a lot of it since, or since uh, before that, rather. It continues to demonstrate support in ongoing conflicts in Ukraine and Syria in the pursuit of the nefarious and long-term goals of Russia's near abroad and against NATO allies. Well, that's one way of framing that thought, is it not? But the other way of saying it is, is that NATO continues to encroach in areas that Russia kind of thought was like off-limits. And wouldn't you respond the same way? And just wouldn't you also want to arrest somebody that's doing material support for your actual enemy that you're engaged in a war with? Whether or not it's a just war. If you're a country and you're defending what you're allowed to do, which is, you know, fund a war effort, I guess. <laughs> if, that's the, if that's the goals of Russian nationalism, which we are not Russians, so we don't have a say in that, why would we have any say? Why would we demand an independent autopsy like we talked about of Navalny? And why on earth would we think that someone who was giving money to their enemy, that's the way they see it, that's the perspective they come from. Um, she's a U.S. citizen who's doing something that she shouldn't do. And then she went to Russia foolishly. It's not like they came to the United States and arrested her or that we extradited her over for that. She went back there and was arrested in a small town. Look, do dumb things. Dumb things happen to you. That seems pretty straightforward. In any case, um, a little taste here of an interesting lie and what happens when you debunk them. The reason they won't let you say things that are true just like Bill Maher was resisting it. I have a little piece here. This is a totally different animal, but we have to believe if you're on the political left, if you're on CNN, that Donald Trump not just is um, pro-Russia, but also that he's a big fraudster. He's really dangerous and everything he does is a fraud. And this is a really fun little exchange where you're going to see about um, a minute into the answer, Kevin O'Leary, who's this guy, Mr. Wonderful, or was the Shark Tank guy we talked about the other day, he's actually trying to 
say what he wants to say about fraud and about how real estate works, of which this woman is not an expert. That's why you invite on an expert. But pushing an expert while they're in the middle of their, their discussion, it might make for good TV and it might make your people who are you know dead set on one narrative believe it because you're repeating falsehoods. But um, you know, God forbid new information change the narrative a little bit. Here we go. Wouldn't there be many companies who would not want to do business or loan money to people like yourself or investors if they know that they can get away with fraud and there's no recourse to protect them? Excuse me, what fraud? I don't, I, this is not about Trump anymore. When you I know. get a developer, when you get a developer that builds a building and he says it's worth $400 million and he wants to borrow $200 million from a bank, which happens every day, everywhere on earth, including every American city, every developer is an entrepreneur. They shine the light on their building and they say it's worth 400. The bank does its own due diligence, as was done in this case, because they're very good at it. The banks are very good. And they say, no, it's worth 300. We're only going to loan you 150 million. That haggling has gone on for decades. That's how it works. And then in this case, even the bank that was supposedly defrauded testified and said, we didn't lose anything. We want to do business with this guy again. We'd like to. But the judge said, no, 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 no. Let's penalize this developer for $355 million. And we're going to do that. Let's penalize all the developers all across America. They've all done the same thing. All of them should go to jail and we should stop building buildings. That's what the message is from New York. Even the governor herself is concerned about what this looks like to investors all around the world. It's not just U.S. domestic. All well, around the world, people are talking about what happened here. You really think people want to invest money in New York after this? How about we go well, somewhere I, I else? Think, how, I think how there are to, people who would, I don't want to cut you off, but I, I want to converse well, with you, you instead. you just did. I, it's, it's only because I want you're, to have a conversation, a, you know what? Kevin, I as opposed you, to just you, having you tell you me. I respect you because you're a lawyer. You're a lawyer. You understand no. exactly what I'm talking about. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm respectable for a number of reasons, Kevin. <laughs> I'm respectable for a number of reasons. Is she respectable at all? No, she can't listen to new information. Once again, repeated information is often perceived as more truthful than new information. She's unable to take in novel information and go, that's interesting. You're an expert in this. That's why we asked you to be on. Instead, she has to try to shut him down and say, hey, look, I don't want to cut you off. And he's like, well, you did. And she was like, yeah, but I want to have a conversation. No, that's not how this works. That's not how bringing on, quote unquote, experts, somebody who has a lot more expertise than you do. If you're an expert on something, then you comment on it. And if you're not and you're smart enough to stay in your own lane, then you won't get in stuff in areas where you're going to be talking about things you know no idea. You have no concept of. And this woman is unable to take in new information because the repeated information is perceived as more truthful. And she's been listening to the same sources over and over and over again. And I don't know why that makes for interesting TV to any of you, but that's the reason why I do the interviews the way that I always do them. That's the way I let people come in and talk. If I don't agree with them, I'll push them when they're done saying it. Finish out your thought. Allow yourself to make. And here's the other reason. When she does that, there are two things that I know are true. Number one, she's unable to process the new information, which is potentially more truthful than the repeated information. And the second thing is she has no faith or trust in her audience. None. And that's the other reason why I have no problem with someone coming in and saying something I don't agree with. I let it happen all the time. Do you know why that happened? I don't let it happen. I participate in an interview in a way that when you hear something that you know is untrue, you will also be able to discern fact from fiction. Because you're aware of this amygdala hijack. You're aware of the concept of the illusory truth effect. You're aware of these concepts, even if you didn't know their names. 
And so you don't get you don't get taken into them. That's why we like doing this show. That's why many of you are listening here. It's specifically because it's not valuable to try to interrupt somebody who has something to say. Let them say their piece. And if it doesn't stand on its own legs, then we know where it is. Here's a little, uh, probably 90 seconds from my buddy, Mike Benz, who I'm going to get back on the show at some point in the near future, talking about how this concept of this is the end of democracy, this is the last time this will ever happen, we may never have an election again. The things you're hearing about Donald Trump, it's so old. He just released this video in the last, I don't know, 24, 48 hours. And um, he's talking about the dirty tricks that we talked about, same thing we talked about in those chairs sitting behind me, the same thing we've talked about, about sort of the Pitbull, Orca, Rottweiler, you know, uh, dragon of the CIA doing evil things. You can't let it in our house, but they're using those techniques that they've used overseas for years, perfected and honed into a perfectly weaponized way into unbelievably capable propaganda and is being used now in our home front. And that is essentially, that is the real existential threat. I don't mean that in a amygdala popping way. I mean that in a, if you do not allow the tool, if you're going to allow the tools that are used in statecraft overseas that we use to manipulate other countries to be manipulated against our own population, you've now weaponized our government against ourselves. Oh, kind of like we've always been talking about. That's literally the formation of the suspendables. Here we go right now, real quick. I just saw a Liz Cheney clip posted by Representative Dan Bishop, and it had her describing Trump's run for president in 2024 as potentially the last election in American history. This echoes a long line of foreign policy establishment apex predators who are all now suddenly in unison championing this framing of Trump as a dictator, as an authoritarian. This is obviously stuff they've recycled from before, but it's all sort of converging right now. And, you know, this attack on democracy, dictator, authoritarian thing. And especially this framing of it being the last election if we don't stop it. Now, you have to recognize the trick here and go all the way back to the beginning. The framing techniques they're using right now are the same ones used in 1948 at the very dawn of the creation of the Central Intelligence Agency to create a predicate for dirty tricks. And I'll talk about what those dirty tricks are going to be but just a quick history lesson here. Uh, the, the CIA was created under the Nas 1947 National Security Act, and the very first thing it did to rig an election overseas was to rig the 1948 Italian election, which was the first democratic election after World War II, you know, after Mussolini had been, had been gored, and, and suddenly Italy was torn between a Euro-Atlanticist, Western-backed, political candidate for president and a Soviet-backed communist-sympathetic president. And the, and the Central Intelligence Agency, with support from the State Department and certain private interests and, and certain interests within Italy itself, ranging from the Sicilian mob, who the, our, our national security state had partnered with because they were persecuted by, by Mussolini, so, the, so, so Italian street muscle was used as a sort of uh, makeshift resistance movement within Italy. We kept those networks with, with, the, with the underground and with media institutions and propaganda institutions. We, we bribed, cajoled, stuffed ballot boxes, the whole, the whole dirty, dirty works that you could possibly do. There's plenty more to this. Mike Benz is a great follow. If you're not following him on Twitter, I highly recommend it. Go to Mike Benz Cyber. It's at Mike, M-I-K-E, Benz, B-E-N-Z, Cyber. Uh, follow him. Love Mike. 
just an encyclopedic knowledge as he walks around. You, you heard him. He was just walking around on the street with an iPhone. That's his favorite thing to do. I despise doing that format. I like sitting in my chair. I like to have my thoughts. When I drive up to a drive-thru, I have to turn off the radio. When I used to uh, do radio calls on surveillance, I have to turn off the radio. I can't have any additional noises. I like to focus on one thing really hard. Mike is able to do a bunch of stuff at once, like walk around and talk and give his rants. And they're fantastic. And that one, talking about the dirty tricks bag that the CIA you know, was using even in the late 1940s in Italy, partnering with Street Muscle, partnering with propaganda ministers, proper, uh, you know, working with uh, different uh, news outlets and so on, simply to get their preferred outcome. All of those things sounds an awful like what happened in the last couple of years when you saw things like, I don't know, Antifa doing street muscle gangs and they were out there intimidating people and that it'll get worse. The Cloward Piven sort of effect of it'll get worse unless you make it give us enough power to be able to do what we want. All of these things, they're all old tricks. They've all been used before. Whether they're being used by the same people is another argument. And I'm not here to have that with you just yet today. But what I am telling you is there's obvious evidence that these things work and that's why they're done. And that's why repetition has to be done all the time. They have to continue to repeat it because they need to get that seated in, get that illusory truth effect so that you will no longer be able to take in new information because once you've heard it enough, now you're going to discount novel and accurate information that debunks the previous narrative. Hence, so much of the stuff. I mean, there's a million examples. January 6th and, and Nancy Pelosi saying we have to preserve the narrative of that day. What are they doing? Repeat, repeat, repeat. Continue to shovel it in and make sure that people are not able to assess new information at its value. Uh, speaking of some new information, I want to say thanks to my buddies over at Catholic Vote. We're going to wrap this thing up for the day. Uh, Catholic Vote, just uh, today's loop, leads off with an interesting story about the LGBT group demanding an apology from the cathedral. Yeah, you heard the one that we did on Monday talking about the uh, so-called mother of whores, this trans atheist activist getting a, a funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral, and we're sad for them. Of course, they're now playing the victim, saying uh, that they are, they've been mocked and uh, and that it's really sad. and. Everybody's really mean to them. Guys, you can follow Catholic Vote and support what they do and their outstanding information, which continues to come in. Uh, my buddy Josh Mercer is the one who edits over there and he does a great job. It's catholicvote.org. You can fill in your email address and get the loop or you can follow them on social media. They're doing a much more active social media push. And I uh, I encourage you guys to do that. They, they come from a slant, but the slant is really obvious. It's right in the name. They're Catholic. They're Christians. They care about truth, family, freedom, and uh, and that's what we're about here as well. So check out Catholic Vote. It's at Catholic Vote or CatholicVote.org. I can say those the same because it's the same name, both places. CatholicVote.org, at Catholic Vote on Twitter, if you guys want to get a good news source that just really does put out some good information. Really appreciate that. All right, folks, we appreciate you guys, and that's why we read the five-star reviews. There's been a lot of great conversation that I've been seeing kind of running through the chat. I'm able to read more of it when we got more videos. Here's a five-star review from Poo Poo Saniknik. <laughs> Really? Poo-poo said nick-nick. Okay. It says, ah, the fresh air. Five stars. Truth is invigorating. God bless KS. I'll, I'll be I'll be KS today. Um, you know what? The truth is invigorating. It's harder to find it. It's harder to deal with it. And it sometimes it unroots things that we would like to believe. But that's okay. Truth is supposed to be a little bit uncomfortable. We have to lean into being wrong sometimes and partially wrong other times. Guys, follow us on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin if you're not doing so already. We really appreciate all of your support. Make sure you've hit a thumbs up if you listen to this point and you have not done so already. Make sure you've done a thumbs up, given us a like. And uh, that actually does make a big difference in the way that these channels are done. The reason that I think Rumble cares when I write them an email is because my channel has so many of you giving the thumbs up, and I'm really appreciative and grateful for you. Uh, have a wonderful Wednesday. It is a weird one out there today. We'll uh, finish up this week strong, but uh, go into your, your hump day, especially those of you who are feds who have a shorter week. I hope you enjoy it. Be safe. Love your neighbors. Be nice, right? 
all those things. All right, God bless you. We'll see you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.